0: Goodness gracious alive. Where else would you rather be than in Mequod, Wisconsin tonight? Wow. Where else would you rather be than at Winterfield tonight? In no, the no playoffs. Where else would you rather be, Mr. Simo? Come on, young man. Milk, jug, magic. That's it. Where else would you rather be? Wow. Wow. mother 10th where else would you rather be? Goodness gracious alive. Welcome to the Where else would you rather be podcast hosted by Connor Jelly and Brett Loftus. Welcome back to episode number 15 of the Where else would you rather be podcast. The jail man decided to join us tonight after abandoning us on episode 14. No, that young man, he works. A good bit. I'm Brett Loftus, and we have a special guest that is near and dear to both Connor and I's hearts. It's the head baseball coach, the skipper at Piedmont University, Justin Scaly. Coach Scaley is going to be going in his seventh season at Piedmont, 19th overall this upcoming year. He graduated from Methodist in 2002 with his undergrad and then got his master's degree from Piedmont in 2005. He coached under Jim Peoples for many, many years and again has now been the, the head skipper at Piedmont going into his seventh year. He's 132-89-1. and Just discussing that tie uh, just moments ago. Coach just reading off some of his accomplishments at Piedmont. He was a regular season champ of the USA South in 2019. He was the number one seed in the tournament that year, the conference tournament. They were ranked as high as number 10th in the country that year in 2019. He was the USA South Coach of the Year that season as well. We could go through the rest of them, but the countless all-Americans and the countless all-conference players, obviously the three big ones. The Ballstadt brothers, in which we've had Carter on the podcast, and then Sammy C. We love to talk about him a lot as well. And Sam Carpenter, coach, actually had a pretty good playing career as well. He was in three Division Three regional appearances, 99-01 and 02. He was in three, uh, three conference uh, championships as well. The Monarchs were ranked number one in the country for eight consecutive weeks during his senior year. As again, coach, you got a lot of you got a lot of meaningful records that I didn't even know about as a player. But Coach Galey, we appreciate you so much for coming on the podcast with
1: us this evening. Well, thanks for having me. It sounds like I've had a lot of good players to coach and had a lot of good teammates because uh, certainly a team sport. But I uh, appreciate you reading that
0: off. Absolutely. You know, you, you've you obviously you played an intricate part in my life. Uh, I know I didn't play for you. But I, I was a broadcaster for the baseball team for three years, and um, I know what you did for my family and, and myself and my career so far. It's played an intricate part. I know Jelly can speak to much of the same of that, and he will as we get deeper into the podcast. But first, our goodness gracious life story of the show. I know you told this story a million times on a million different podcasts, but I just kind of want you to talk about how you got into coaching. I know you've, you've just coached at Piedmont, and then how you got the head coaching job and anything else you want to share in your coaching timeline.
1: Sure, I was a player, played Division Three baseball um, at Methodist University, uh, played for two really good coaches there. Coach Peoples was an assistant who recruited me there, and Coach Tom Austin uh, is the head coach there, still the head coach there. I think he's in his 42nd year. Uh, he has like 12 million wins, um, you know, whatever it is, he's, he's been so good uh, there over the years. 25, 26 regional appearances. Um, you know, so I got to play for some really good coaches, and didn't really know what I was going to do um, after school. Kind of got into my senior year, was a little bit unsure still, and um, an opportunity presented itself for me to be for me to be the pitching coach at Ohio Northern University, and um, I went. Uh, the, the newly named head coach was the assistant. Uh, my last year at Methodist and. Offered me the job. Uh, It paid almost nothing, but uh, I really just wanted the opportunity. And, um, you know, that first year, that that first pitching staff was was special. I had a pitcher older than me on the team, uh, which was neat. Uh, I was just so young and so raw, but uh, Coach Millen Rassic there at Ohio Northern gave me the opportunity. I coached there for two years and then um, been at Piedmont the last 19. Coach Jim Peoples uh, had an opening on his staff at a graduate assistant level position, and to coach our pitchers, came down, did that, um, you know, worked through the GA, became a full-time employee at the the university in our admissions office, uh, later in our development office, Um, and then in the summer of 2016, uh, Coach Peoples uh, assumed the athletic director role full-time, and uh, Coach Jombrowski happened to step down at that same time, and then it just kind of opened the door for me, and uh, a wonderful opportunity, and I've been the head coach, uh, to go, like you said, going into my seventh year.
0: Yeah, you've coached some incredible players, some incredible ball clubs. Um, obviously, Jill got to be a part of that 2019 squad on his, his freshman year. I got the broadcast, obviously, the COVID short in 2021 and then, and then in 2022. Um uh, I'll put you on the spot here. I've got a feeling of what you're going to say. You're either going to go one or two ways here. Is there a favorite team that you've been at Piedmont as an assistant or since you became the head coach that's it's kind of been a favorite and one you tend to kind of have a lot of fond memories of?
1: Boy, there's so many. That's such a hard, uh, you know, question, you know, to ask. And I've had players ask me about that, you know, kind of question along the lines too. And, um, you know, I, I can't really name one, but what I would say is the group that was really special, were those groups that came in that 05 uh, freshman class. And the reason I I really bring those guys up, um, the Andy House, the Coles Fidel, Travis Hunt, uh, many others, uh, I bring those guys up because they were really uh, huge in our culture changing. Um, You know, Coach Peoples and Coach Dombrowski had inherited the program and um, really were trying to get some of the things in place that we have now that are more assumed. But back then we had to really work at it and that 05 freshman class really got rewarded um, with all their uh, buy-in in in that, uh, you know, they were able to participate in a regional in 2008 for the first time. Uh, We set the school record for wins that year, uh, got a transfer in, two transfers in that year that were super impactful. One was an All-American, one was an All-Region player. Um, So that group was special, obviously the 2011 group uh, and some players, uh, John Duke, Uh, Josh Strickland and Dusty Black played on both those 2008 and 11 groups that played in the regional. Um, And then, you know, the group in 2019 was a special group, that group of seniors, uh, certainly. But, you know, wins and losses aren't the only thing that define how much fun we have and how much I've enjoyed coaching. Um, You know, we had an alumni golf event um, a couple weeks back, and we had 85 players play golf with us and so many former players from you know, my first year to last year and um, even current players playing. And and that's really, you know, why I coach uh, the relationship with our players is, um, you know, like Connor and many of his teammates and then many of the guys that are, you know, much older that are in their profession. Uh, They've got children, they've got uh, jobs, all this and that. I just love, you know, staying in contact with the guys I've had the fortune of being around and coaching.
0: Well, Coach, obviously you've played an intricate impact on a lot of young men and at my Baseball. We're going to dive back into that later. But for those who are listening audio-wise, Coach Scaley has on a Giants jacket. He is a big, big, big New York sports fan. We're going to talk a little bit about the Yankees and the Giants. First, we're going to go NFL. I know the jail man wants to get on on this one. You know, that's a good question. Simply put, are the Giants the real deal? Coach, I know you got a lot to say on this, but first we're going to go to Connor. Are the Giants the real deal, Connor?
2: Yes, 100%. I didn't – I mean, as we were talking about beforehand, there's not a single part of this team other than Saquon that I legit thought had a shot to really boost this team into contender talk. I mean, their defense is playing outstanding. We saw it against Green Bay. Their line is absolutely killing it. Saquon is the leading rusher so far through the first four weeks – five, four, five. Five days. Four, yep. five weeks. First five weeks in the NFL – OK, he hasn't been able to do that in a minute. Obviously, he's been he's had some injury trouble. So um, but it's just nice to see him back out there healthy. Here, I have a couple of questions for you, coach. OK, right. Okay. With Danny Dimes, heading, this is his last year in his contract. All right. Giants are winning. You know, they're doing really well. And he was a huge part of the Green Bay success. Um, played his absolute heart out, was bleeding for the team. Um, I mean, do you still think as a Giants fan, someone like a a diehard Giants fan is he still your guy are you still rocking with him or would you like to see the Giants try to make something happen the offseason I mean if Lamar doesn't sign for Baltimore y'all are in line to be have the second most cap space in the NFL
1: so yeah I, I think too when it comes to the quarterback position especially Daniel Jones um, he is in a contract year but they could always franchise him next year to squeeze an extra year out of it um, if you look at what happens to NFL teams that pay that much money for the quarterback, um, you know, I think about the Chiefs, uh, although they're still winning, it won't last long, they're paying $50 million to the, the quarterback, there's a hard cap, look at the Packers, they're not as good as everyone says they are, um, you know, and their quarterback is a, is a big baby anyway, but um, that's it for another, another show. But um, I I just like the fact that Jones this year through five games with this new coaching staff um, is protecting the football, something that was really um, ultimately killing him as far as, you know, his ability to lead the team to victory. Um, I know the passing yards are way down, um, but the coaches talk about his decision making, his leadership, um, you know, running when he needs to, using that as uh, that skill that he does have when he needs it. But ultimately, it's about possessing the football and not turning it over and I've even noticed this year uh, a decided improvement when he is about to be hit in just ball security uh sacks are sometimes the good play sometimes it's the right play you know yep
2: I mean I would have to agree with that I mean you can definitely tell he's had a big or he's definitely been progressing week by week with this new coaching staff for sure. I know pretty much up until this year, everyone was dogging on him saying how he's not really an NFL quarterback because he's not even getting to his second reads, but you know, now you're watching the games and I mean, I I'm, I'm seeing him get to his second, sometimes even his third reads before he decided he makes a decision. And ultimately these decisions that he's making right now have been about 95 percent the correct decisions now
0: yeah but i'll say the biggest thing though there connor and and coach will probably agree saquon barkley playing in 110 percent is is got to be an intricate part and opening up the passing game i I don't think the giants are nowhere close to four and one if saquon's not rushing for 100 plus yards i think he's done that four out of five games Uh, i would
1: also add uh guys that uh you know i was looking at uh, some pro football focus stuff and um, Andrew Thomas, the number one rated offensive tackle in the league, Go um, you know, it's a Georgia Bulldog, uh, you know, we've got a, a rookie at right tackle that had a, uh, you know, turnstile game against Dallas, just abused, really good bounce back game, uh, the next week against the Bears played really solid, uh, Andrew Thomas had a lot of games like that his rookie year too, hopefully that's the right pick, uh, it looks like Thibodeau has been, uh, you know, he missed it, missed a little bit of time with that, uh, you know, cut block in the preseason against Cincinnati, and, and uh, the Moss guy there blocking him. But since since he's been in, he's been active. Uh, he's causing pressures and hurries and shrinking pockets and things like that. Even on the Dexter Lawrence sack and a big big sack in the second half, Thibodeau forced uh, you know Rodgers up. So the line play has been so much better, and that's really where where their success is going to come. The offensive line, defensive line. I think about their Super Bowl teams. They can run the ball at will. And they got the quarterback in all these big plays. They could get the quarterback without having to blitz and Wink Martindale will blitz. You just got to wait, but we'll send six, seven guys. It's it's something else. Uh, it's an aggressive style of play, man, on the defensive side of the ball too. We we give up some completions, um, you know, that are kind of kind of frustrating at times. But you also create a lot of uh, uncertainty in the pocket, you know, especially in that Panthers game, right, Brett?
0: yeah i'm you know i i was i hope the panthers go one in 16. Uh, so david tepper sells the team i am glad that steve wilkes who has been a, was a part of the organization for a very long time and is you know left to go be the head coach of the cardinals now is back a part of the organization or interim head coach now i'm very excited I, I like steve honestly i wouldn't mind seeing him be our full-time head coach after this year just the attitude he has as a defensive guy but yeah that they, they made Baker Mayfield look silly, but I think Connor and I could play defensive end and make <laughs> Baker Mayfield look silly. But yeah, yeah, Baker I, does that himself for sure. It, it was a, I, I, The Giants have been really impressive this year, and, and I guess, Coach, to kind of finish out the Giants talk, do you think the win – I know it was in England, so no home field advantage, and obviously going into Lambeau is a hard thing to do, but do you think that Packers win could be kind of a staple win for the Giants and something to really hang your hat on as we move forward in kind of the middle of the year?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think about uh, certainly something they can recall uh, if they, you know, when they hit a bump in the road down, down the the season, uh, you know, who'd have thought the giants uh, through five weeks of the season have defeated the number one seeds in both conferences from last year's playoffs. Um, You know, and in both games, they were down in both games. There were fourth quarter comebacks. Um, I didn't get to see the first half of the the green Bay game Um, heard parts of the third quarter on the radio. And then we had practice. So, um, you know, I didn't get to see much of it. But, you know, when I got it on the radio at halftime, listening to the New York announcers, it was all about how we can't stop them. You know, it had been pretty. And again, just speaks to the, the coach table and the, and the coaches, the, the coordinators, just the adjustments. And I certainly hope they use it as fuel. You know, we have Baltimore this week and then four games that you could argue they'll they'll be winnable, quote, winnable games. But it's the NFL. With you know Jacksonville and Seattle and Houston and um, you know Detroit in there, but you know we could also lose all the games too. We're one of those teams that could probably beat everybody and also lose to everybody. Uh, If we do what we've been doing, you know, we'll see where we're at. The division is outstanding. Philadelphia is a problem. It breaks my heart, but they're very good.
0: (laughs) I think Philadelphia is a fraud but that's a that's a discussion for another nice. time. They're not Love that
1: nice. but I don't I don't agree Connor, with that. I hope you're I, I, right buddy. You
0: know I was talking to one of my one of my buddies the other day and I, I just I don't know I like Jalen Hurts but I don't think that team is continue to the to, to go forward. that defense later. is going
2: to carry them as far as it wants to go we'll I'm see
0: we'll, we'll see that's going to be interesting whenever the giants and Eagles um face off as, especially as we get deeper into the season all right am i tweaking gore mlb postseason has been absolutely all over the place to say the least the phillies upset the braves today they upset the cardinals first off and in, in a sweep um in, in the wild card round the mets get upset in three games against the padres And then on the American League side of things, uh, the Guardians able to beat the, excuse me, the Guardians able to beat the, uh, I lost my train I thought, the Tampa Bay Rays in two games. And then the Mariners able to beat up on the Toronto Blue Jays in an eight run comeback in game two. And then the Braves get upset today, which obviously not very happy about that. We'll talk about that here momentarily. Um, and then the Astros come back from being down, I think it was as many as four runs. Coach, Galey's Yankees are playing right now. They're all tied up going to the yeah, third. Zero, 0 through two. Yeah, and then you got Connor the Dodgers. know Balefa
1: has an error, and a double, and he's hitting a double play, so he's playing great. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then the Dodgers will be playing later on tonight. All right, Coach, MLB postseason thus far, kind of what is your biggest surprise, wild card round or the DS, and what are you looking for out of your Yankees?
1: Um, I guess, uh, you know, I the Yankees, not much. Um, haven't liked the team all year. Um, just don't think they have many tough dogs, you know. I think uh, the, I, I can't stand the way they the, – the lineup they play. I don't know why Garrett Cole's pitching game one. Uh, maybe maybe the manager doesn't watch the games. Uh, how you don't pitch Nestor Cortez in the first game is, is beyond belief. The guy's got to run lower ERA. Um, you know, the only reason his innings count is down is because they stopped him. Um, the guy throws like wiffle balls up there. Now, now Cole's hung two zeros, and it's not that Garrett Cole ain't a great pitcher, but, um, you know, his ego is so big, they got to pitch him in the first game. And, um, you know, he's certainly way better to go on short rest than Nestor. You could pitch your number one guy, can go game one and game four on normal rest. You know, Cole would be way better in two and then five if necessary on short rest or game one if they're able to advance. Um, don't like the lineup. Don't like a lot of the, the the big big Yankee fans, so don't confuse that. I hope they win every game and the World Series, but uh, you know I don't think they'll win this series or or anything this year myself. Wow, yeah. wow. that sounds Dang. it sounds
0: just like my dad watching the Braves game today. <laughs> um, we're sitting down here and he's just like saying we're going to get swept by the Phillies now because we lost Game One. I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to say we're not going to get beat by them, but just because you lose one game, it's it's going to be okay. But I that's, that's shocking to me. Um, that- well, the
1: home run counter for Cole just hit one, so oh, nice. I mean he does what he does. So he, he he throws balls middle middle and they get hit out. Um, <laughs> I set the line at one and a half for how many home runs I thought he'd allow today. We're at one. So uh, thankfully no thankfully no one was on. So, did
0: you go, did you go over on that or were you going under?
1: <laughs> oh, I was, I was uh, pounding me over on that. One. <laughs> my former, uh, my current and former players that are Yankee fans are like, you know, they're all excited. I'm excited too, but um, I'd rather that, you know, if you gave me one or the other, I'd rather the Yankees get swept in this series. If you told me the Giants make the playoffs, I'd make that trade in two seconds. Um, wow. Absolutely. To be honest with you, man. And I watch postseason baseball. I do uh, in the major leagues, but, I have a hard time watching a regular season baseball game. I think the product is just so bad right now. Um, Listen, I watch college baseball anytime I'm not, you know, watching our team. I mean, if I come home and there's an SEC, you know, series on or an ACC series on, um, I've got a former assistant that was in the ACC coach in the last couple mm-hmm. years. Watched his team a bunch. JB's uh, a big fan of the podcast, by the way. Yes, very big fan of What's up, the Coach podcast. JB? You're the man. We all know that already. Uh, <laughs> like Indiana that Hoosier, like my man, Jell over there. Yes, but, sir. Yes, sir. But I'll watch a college game. You know, you could put on San Diego State against uh, Long Beach State, and I'll, I'll tune in and watch the whole thing. Players play hard. Um, it's not about home runs and strikeouts. The Yankees scored fifty-one percent of their runs on the on the home run this year. Yeah, that's most disgusting. most
0: most homers in the in the majors.
1: Yeah, I mean that's disgusting. They just sit there and wait for it. Why don't they just make it slow pitch softball and just have a, a big home run derby? You know, I mean, you guys do have um, one of the
2: biggest biggest lineups in the league, though. I will say, but
1: but they don't hit, man. And don't even get me started because uh, there's a zero percent chance I would re-sign Aaron Judge, which will probably shock you guys. It shocks every Yankee fan. I tell that too, but I'm not. I'm not shocked. I,
0: I'm not shocked okay, because really not. I think that he could. I'm shocked at the initial thought that you're a Yankees fan, but as a baseball fan, I wouldn't be shocked because he hit 311 this year. It's the first year he's ever even come close to hitting 300 in a season. Mm-hmm. So he, I think he was playing hard for a contract here. But to your point about the college baseball, I you know, coach. I was never a big college ball baseball fan until I got to Piedmont started following a lot more and then going and broadcasting the Northwoods league this summer and seeing a lot of those guys and a lot of the power five guys and even some of your mid-major guys and even division two, II, division three guys that were also up there. Um, it's it's a very much so different product than major league baseball and professional baseball in general, but it's a better product. And I, and I think that's an argument to, to really be made. And I think some people would disagree and, you know, I'm still going to choose Major League Baseball because you're watching the best of the best play. I think people make the argument for football all the time for college versus pro. But I do think college baseball, all in all, is a better product. And really, Connor and I have talked about that a lot on here is because yeah. Rob Manford is ruining Major League Baseball. Yeah, I mean, it's the well, same I thing mean, with the
2: NBA, though, too. Like,
1: Are you, are you really watching the better. best of the best play baseball or are you watching them kind of play baseball? Because... Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of effort from most of the players in, in the regular season. There's way too many games. I mean, there's a lot of things they'd have to do. Here's the problem I think about a guy like my dad, who's a diehard Yankee fan. He watches, and if he doesn't get to watch, he records and then watches every pitch of the Yankee season for 50 years, hasn't missed the Yankee game. And it's people of his generation that are your bought in, diehard, you know, Major League Baseball fans, but they're losing a lot of the younger generations why they're making all these rule changes no Mm -hmm. shift pitch clock all this you know one of the beauties of our game is there is there isn't a clock that's one of the beautiful things about baseball the defense has the ball it's a beautiful game there don't play baseball or watch baseball if you're in a hurry it's just it's not a quick game you know um there are many times when I tell my wife what time I'm going to be home while we're playing so it could be three o'clock or seven o'clock you know I I really (laughs) don't know you know it just depends on are we throwing strikes? Is it, you know, whatever. So um, it, it, I don't mean to sound so negative towards the Yankees. I, I am pulling hard for them to win, of course, but uh, I just don't love the group this year. Been on this all year, Been was that way when they were 70 and 30? I mean, uh, before the funk in, in the summer uh, through August, which was obviously a you know, like nine and 20 or whatever they did um, through August. But uh, you know, it's, it's just where I'm at on major league baseball right now. No, you,
2: you sound exactly like Jelly. Uh, well, yeah. dude, I mean, it's just, he 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 hit on every point because, like, at this point, when you watch Major League Baseball, I don't even I don't even really recognize the game. They've taken away basically every little aspect of the game that makes it the beautiful nature that it has to it. Like, it teaches you a lot about competitiveness, but it teaches you a lot about life. And without that, I mean, it doesn't even feel like the same sport that I grew up loving. So,
1: yeah. I think You both know, not the only league- that, guys, it's, uh, you know, the strikeout is so prevalent. The pitching is so dominant right now. Like, uh, you hit 260 in the big leagues right now. You're you're actually, the guys are like, that's not that bad. <laughs> you know, when, <laughs> you know, 260 used to be, uh, you know, you're going to get released, yeah. you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're, you're batting champion in the National League, which ended up being your batting champion in, in Major League Baseball. Jeff McNeil hit 327 this year. 327 when you win you a batting crown. Um, I, I I agree that the game's getting watered down. I agree that – but that's what Major League Baseball wants. That's what Rob Manford wants. He, he wants strikeouts and he wants home runs. That's what he wants. And I think that when you try to gear the game that way, you're starting to lose guys like Jeff McNeil who played the small ball type mentality, who, pl- who hit nine homers this year but had – you know, he hit 327, and I think he had a 200-hit season. You're starting to get more Aaron Judge-type guys, and I know Aaron hit over 300 this year, but you're going to have guys that are going up there swinging for the fences. I mean, just look at Aaron's last week of the season: he went two for nine, and that one hit was a 60-second homer. Um, and I think you're getting a lot more of that product. And guys, coach, I want to get your opinion on this. Guys are getting too much caught up in OPS. I don't know if you're a big OPS guy or not. I am. I think it's an overrated stat. I think it is definitely something you can use, but I think it's overrated.
1: I mean, I would answer that by saying, dude, offensively, you got to get yourself to second base. There's a right. lot of ways to get to scoring position. You can be a, a, a walk guy, walk a lot, uh, singles, and steal it, or you can you can bang the ball in the gap and get yourself there that way. But for the team to score runs, you got to get in a scoring position first. And if you get to second base with nobody out, we can score you without getting hits now. So um, you know, there's a lot of different ways to go about it. Some guys, you know, from an OPS standpoint, you know, if you hit a lot of extra base hits, you probably walk a lot too. You might K a lot too. Like it's part of it. Um, the numbers are there on the analytical side, like all of that stuff has a value, right. But you still got to watch the game with your eyes. And that's what I'm saying. It's this whole thing I got back to with, with Nestor Cortez and Garrett Cole. Like, I know they pay Cole $1.1 million a start. And who knows what they pay Nestor Cortez? Certainly not that. They might pay him that a season. But just watch the games. One of them's more pitch efficient. One of them doesn't isn't down one-nothing with the bases loaded and one out in the third inning of a playoff game. I mean, one of them pounds his own, keeps people off balance, pitch efficient every time he goes out there. Sure, he gives up his hits, but he attacks his own. I mean, it's baseball. He doesn't have the spin rates, he doesn't have the that kind of stuff. It's the same thing with with an Aaron Judge, you know. A um, ton of OPS through the roof, all that stuff, but against good pitching, there's a lot of strikeouts there, you know, and so it's just, you gotta, you gotta take it, you know, on both sides, there, there's good and bad with all that analytical stuff, it does have a good value at times, it's just a matter of applying it correctly.
0: Yeah, and I agree 110%, you know, and I, and looking at that analytical stuff. Connor and I have talked about it. A lot of guys will look at their exit velocity or will look at their spin rate as a pitcher, and they'll buy into that, and they'll try to get that up. Then that takes them away from keeping the barrel to the zone. That takes them away from trying to put the pitch in the zone as a pitcher. That takes them away um, just from a lot of your basic stuff. And when you start to overcomplicate the analytics, then you start to forget the basics. And that kind of leads into – Kind of, I want to talk about. I know it's October the 11th, the time of this recording. October the 12th, when the podcast will come out. I know you still got a long time, but you've had this team on the field for a short enough period now. This 2023 squad for the Lions, and we kind of have a sense of what you may have. What What are you feeling, kind of as a preview? Um, Last year, obviously made the conference tournament, swept Maryville late in the year, able to get it to conference tournament. Um, obviously, didn't have the performance that you probably wish you would have as a team. Fought hard, but obviously ended up um, coming sh- up short in the final season in USA South. Now moving to the CCS, the Colleg- Collegiate Conference of the South. Kind of, how are you feeling for the Lions in twenty
1: three? Um, I mean, we've been out there, uh, you know, into our second week of fall team practices. A lot of new faces brought in a very large recruiting class this year. Uh, partially by design, wanted to, um, you know, increase competition, increase depth in all areas. Uh, We've certainly done that. One of the things that's been beneficial to us on on top of our freshman group, uh, which is a talented group, is uh, we brought in nine transfers, which for us is, uh, you know, very, very high compared to what, in a normal year, it might be one or two. So bringing in a a large group of transfers, um, in addition to being talented, um, they're just a little more uh, experienced. They're a little more uh, mature. They've been through the college baseball grind. Um, and, and all but one of them, um, you know, are leaving a situation where they didn't play maybe as much as they wanted to or just didn't have the, the role that they were hoping for. So, so they, they appear to be thus far a super hungry group as well. And, um, you know, I'd say that about our entire group what well, we are really trying to with myself and our assistant coaches are trying to really just preach consistency, consistency in our effort. Um, you know, we've had a couple of good days, but we did that in years past where we'd have a good week or a good series and then not show up the next, the next go around next weekend. And uh, inconsistency is what, what gets you in trouble in our game. And uh, what's valued is being consistent. and And I said to our guys today after practice, you know, be a guy that if we put you out on the field in some capacity that we know what we're going to expect. And that's a value, you know, when you, when you show up and and compete consistently and produce, you know, that's certainly a value, but uh, between the returners that are working hard, along with uh, a large crop of new players, freshmen to transfers, it's been a fun group to be around thus far. We've got a ways to go. It's early, but uh, they've been fun to coach so far.
0: What is, I, I don't really know. Um, I know it's a lot of the same teams, same foes you'll be facing on the 23 schedule. You're getting to go to California to start off. That's going to be a pretty cool thing. I know the guys got to do that. Got to go to Arizona back in 2019. Uh, I think Carter – was one of the very few players that was on that team that will still be on this 23 squad. But now you're in the CCS, and I know, again, a lot of the same teams, but a few new teams. Kind of how have you approached that transition? Is there anything different that you feel like is going to be different once you approach the season, or same old, same old as it had been in the USA South?
1: Yeah, same old same old as far as you know how it's I guess being relayed to our, our players right now the the changes are more uh, things that they won't necessarily see at least initially with uh, less conference teams opens up a few more non conference weekends gives us a little more schedule flexibility um, to do some different things uh, some tournaments here or there we're playing uh, in California, as you mentioned, we're playing in a, in a great uh, eight team event in uh, Kannapolis. Uh, in a minor league park there, which we're super excited for that opportunity. I know our guys are going to be really excited to get in that beautiful ballpark and and see a lot of, you know, top-quality teams. We had a top, I think, 12 strength of schedule nationally last year. We always try to do the same thing. We're going to try to play the best possible people we can play um, because it's where we find out uh, either, uh, number one, it's the most rewarding when you beat really good people, but number two, if you don't, and those are the people in, in a uh, position in their programs where you're trying to get, you find out really where you fall short is starting with me and how I can coach better, but also in recruiting, in strategy and s- scheme, all that stuff. So, um, you know, to the guys, not much different. And we are really trying to harp on just being good every day. We practice tomorrow at three o'clock with some early out stuff and some hitting groups in the morning. And I'm really excited for practice tomorrow. Um, You know, Cal Lutheran is so far down the road for me Um, as far as, you know, my focus, um, really trying to evaluate this group, see where, you know, strengths and weaknesses of our players, try to get them better tomorrow. Uh, Half our group will throw in the bullpen, trying to get them sharpened up. I know Coach Harris and Coach Craig working very hard with our position group. So just trying really to be good uh, at practice tomorrow and and see where that takes us.
0: Connor, you're a former player. Uh, Coach Scaley was the only coach – you ever had for four years, is there anything that you've particularly been wanting to ask? I'll open the floor up to you
2: um I mean no I mean he he basically does a really great job of covering it basically everything you need to know about Piedmont baseball um i know I know one aspect that people don't really uh kind of understand in full detail is just how um how hard like being able to um go out there and practice weightlift, do all the little things correctly day in day out gets i mean it's it's something that really takes a lot uh a lot of a mental focus to really be able to control your energy and your effort and coach scaly's always preached that you know there's only a few things that we can control especially in the game of baseball and that's our energy and effort. It's our attitudes it's how we per- how we go about things how we do the little things correctly because in the game of baseball i mean the smallest detail can be the reason you win or lose. And, you know, they he does a great job alongside of Coach Harris, Coach Craig, of making sure that um, they really uh, dive into basically anything and everything throughout the fall, um, see where the weaknesses are, see what needs to be brought up as we return from winter break, what we really need to hit hard before the first game. Um, they do a very, very fantastic, fantastic job, not only – creating better baseball players, but also creating uh, better people uh, once we leave Piedmont. I mean, that's the biggest thing, is that they, they do a really good job of just shaping you into a better man. I mean, that's the biggest thing that I uh, took away from that program. So, I mean, going, going from basically every, like every a new team year to year, I know I always like to ask people this question, especially coaches, um, but I'm going to ask you one partic- particular question, just because I'm getting into coaching myself, um, got a 14 u team now. Uh, but what, what has been some of the biggest things and lessons that you have learned over the course of your coaching career that has really kind of stuck with you and how you're able to handle everything from practices, making sure everyone's eating, getting enough rest, uh, you know, needing to be where they're supposed to be on at any given time. Like how, how, what are the biggest lessons you've learned?
1: I would say the biggest change um, that I've experienced through my career, uh, you know, when I think back to my early years as an assistant coach, um, you know, I really put a lot of my self worth in, in how did we pitch? You know, that's really how I identified the job I was doing and whether or not we pitched well um, as a pitching coach. And, and I'm like, well, we pitched well. I'm doing good today. Or, well, we didn't. Um, you know, I'm not doing well today. Um, and now as I've gotten older, um you know, I, I've winning is still you know obviously a very important aspect to why we do any of this stuff but also I would put the relationships I have with our players on an equal equal you know playing field for me as far as level of importance um, as winning you know it's uh, the relationship piece and, and just being in these guys' lives and um, you know, talking to the guys that coach like you're going to be doing their jelly about players and coach I think we got a guy that might be a fit for you you know he's kind of like this guy that I played with or, or a lot like me you know whatever um, you know those kind of things are you know the relationship piece was certainly a learning curve for me and just understanding that um, you know at the end of the day really it's about people and you know we want to win a lot along the way but but that took some time for me. I think also, you know, kind of to piggyback on that as far as the maturing piece was just being not so drastic, emotional in the dugout as I was as a young assistant. Trying very, you know, it's very hard for me. Um, I don't know what our, Jell, you would answer better than most, you know, guys you played for us have been in our dugout for a long time. But, um, you know, I try to be very even keel in the dugout at all times um you know no matter how fast or how nervous or how excited or down or angry I am inside I try to be as neutral as I can on the outside because I that's what I want from our players you know I want them to be able to regardless of the situation um you know just be great where their feet are and that's what I certainly try to embody by being stable at least there's one place they can look in the dugout where someone on the outside isn't freaking out hopefully that's not to say i haven't lost my temper or haven't uh <laughs> you know gotten super excited now now you get me uh, and jelly i'll tell you this if, if we get into a, a spin and lock situation uh down in the outfield th- th- there's some fire they'll see coming out then oh, yeah. Uh, yeah you know that's the, now we can let go of the game and now i'm just with my guys and and there's going to be some uh, there's going to be some hype moments there for sure, um, and there's some moments too. You know, cuts both ways. If uh, you know, if I really am disappointed in a in a pitch call or an in game decision, you know, where where our guys don't see it, but you know, where I'm just beating myself up, you know, my forty mile ride home, um, you know, or I just get a chance to really think about, boy, I wish I'd have done that differently to give us a better chance to win. You know, um, that's part of coaching. Just like Connor talked about the the utter grind and he's so right in playing the it's not just the 40 days you get to play man it's 320 days to prepare it's the weight room the the meals the sleep that everything your body takes just such a toll your arm your shoulders I mean everything um it's the same in coaching you know you spend so much time trying to prepare um you know but you got to keep the relationship piece at the forefront because that's really why you do it
0: mm-hmm. That, that's great. That That's good stuff, and that opens us up to sportsmanship and showmanship. So first, story talking about sportsmanship and showmanship. Obviously, you heard it on every intro, the Carter boss, that walk-off against Methodist last year. I want to direct you guys to the video of that play. We're going to try to put it in the description. But I want you to watch that video very closely as the entire team rushes out of the dugout and is going down the right field line to tackle Carter. And thank the good Lord above they didn't hurt him um, down the right field line. Coach Scaly walks out of the dugout, doesn't run, doesn't jog. I don't even think he had a smile on his face and was just even kill, as he says. And one of the biggest moments that I witnessed in Piedmont Baseball during my time there, um, I think that really opens it up to our kind of our next topic of – sportsmanship versus showmanship and we always kind of have one of these i don't want to say more serious but more of a, a real issue is kind of going on in sports obviously baseball is really where we're going with this you, you see a lot of guys that do the bat flips coach i know you've told me in meetings that we've had individually you know brad I, I don't mind it if as long as you're not trying to show up your opponent and it's kind of a big thing that you always say is keep in you know keep it within green and gold you know don't try to involve the other team don't try to go over that line. But you also just said, kind of like you try to be even keel, want your players to do that. Guy that I think about that did that, played the game the right way, um, is a Yankee and Derek Jeter. And kind of kind of thinking about that sportsmanship versus showmanship, you as a coach, but also you as a fan of Major League Baseball, baseball in general, even college baseball, looking at it from other levels and, and other teams, not just Piedmont. Well, how have you kind of seen that and kind of what is that gray line, that fine line that maybe you shouldn't cross, but it's okay to do this?
1: Yeah, it's certainly uh it's funny you referenced that video and that play particularly because uh, you know, obviously that call got a lot of a lot of traction and and went out there and you did such a great job with it, Brett, like you always did, uh, calling every pitch you called for us. But uh that got sent out to some of my buddies, you know, some of the guys I played with. And uh funny you mentioned that because one of them replied in our little group message and they said, Look at scales, just walking across like he'd done it before, or he's been <laughs> part of it before. And um It's not easy to do that for me because what I want to do is go out there and run out there and jump on the guy, you know, with my guys and stuff. But I've also been on the other side of that. And uh, I know what it feels like to get left on the field. I know what it feels like to, uh, you know, lose a really big game and and be the victim of a really big moment. And um, I try to keep that perspective uh, that the guys in the other dugout, um, you know, especially in a walk-off scenario, they're, they're your guests. And, uh, you know, you're trying with everything in your might to defeat them. And when you do in, in such dramatic fashion like that um, – and we've had so many at home over the years. Uh, Milk Jug Magic is real. As Connor knows, he's seen a bunch of them. And and we certainly think, you know, we've been very fortunate. But I'm constantly reminded that it's the other side is, is part of it too. Um I read something or heard something about Coach K one time, and they talked about the Kentucky-Duke uh, game where Leitner hit the shot in overtime or double overtime. And um, I just remember seeing Coach K reacting to the Kentucky players. And just he talked about how he just knew that those kids poured every single thing they had into winning that game. And he knew the, the excitement and jubilation that his team felt and he felt was the exact opposite, and I think he felt for them on a, on a personal level as competitors, as respected competitors. Now, that particular play you referenced was, you know, certainly uh, I played for the coach. We, were, we did that against. So there's obviously some already built-in mutual respect there, uh, or certainly, uh, you know, with, between our programs, and they've, they've done so much at this uh, level uh, historically. So there's a lot of respect there. But you're right on the fact that it is a gray area. Um, I want our guys to have fun. I want them to compete. I want them to get excited. I want them to celebrate. Um, I always, and and I hope Connor heard it this way too. I didn't want to thwart any of their excitement. I just wanted it turned towards our dugout. I just never wanted it to go the other, to the other team. And, and if we do things towards our dugout, um, you know, I can pretty much tolerate it. It's just, you know, baseball has a lot of quote unwritten rules. And my good friend that I coached with at Piedmont for 12 years used to say 95% of the unwritten rules are because of the pitcher's fragile egos. <laughs> uh, but he, and he's not wrong because when you think about all the unwritten rules, it's like, don't run across the mound. Don't, don't, don't do this on a home run. Uh, don't flip the bat, you know, don't, don't make signs that, you know, when you hit a double, right. It's, it's all about disrespecting the opposing pitcher. Um, so, I mean, as long as our guys do it to our dugout and remain, I want them to be excited. They've worked so hard. Connor referenced it earlier. They put so much into it. You do something great, man, I promise you there's 29 guys in our dugout that are excited about what you just did, too. Just look mm-hmm. at one of them.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, the, big, the biggest thing when it comes to all of that, especially with, you know, how Coach Kaley, Scaly really presents it to us is um, – just the fact that there, there's a time and a place um, to be disrespectful, and you should never be disrespectful. Um, you, you can on some level, but that, that's that just becomes by winning the game the right way. I feel like you know, there's you have a ton of opportunities to rub it in someone's face. I mean, sometimes um, you can the other team's chirping with you basically all the way up. Throughout the week on social media before the game. So there's always, there's clearly going to be some irritation before the game even starts. But um, I've always been a big proponent of you let your play do the talking rather than your mouth when it comes to baseball. Because, you know, at the end of the day, whoever comes out on top, I mean, they have final say in basically everything. I mean, um, I was I was one that, you know, would sometimes get chirpy. I can attest to that. I I've been told <laughs> by Coach Scaly many times, I keep it on green. You know, sometimes i let my emotions get ahead of me and that's fine. You know, that's just part of the game. Um but he 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 really does do a really good job of just making sure that we stay within our team and our colors rather than trying to become something that we're not. Because I, I also believe that when you when you try to worry too much about what the other team's doing now you're not even focusing on your game and what your team is doing so I mean there's there's times to flip the bat I think most of the time you should just set it that set it down right there act like you've done it before now if it's a walk-off hey why not flip it you know yeah I think it's
0: a I think it's a big issue in our game and and really coach that's why I wouldn't ask you about it I know you and I have had some conversations goodness I I don't know how many conversations we've had in your office about that over the years but you know, and I'll even use, for example, today, I'll, I'll pick on my Braves. You know, William Contreras, he gets a double, I think it was in the sixth inning. Braves are down six runs at this point, 7-1. And the Braves have a double celebration, you know, when they do a sword or whatever. And he does it. And I look at my dad, and I'm like, what what is he doing? I'm like, we're down by six runs. And I understand he's excited. He didn't do anything disrespectful to the Phillies. But it's 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 all about, again, showmanship, sportsmanship, there's a fine line there, and there's also a fine line to where if you're up or you're down, just play the game. And mm-hmm. that, that's just – again, that's my opinion as a fan. Obviously, I didn't play the game at the collegiate level. I didn't coach it at the collegiate level. Um, but that's just my opinion as a fan, and, and really glad to hear you guys' opinion on that as well. All right, final thoughts. Connor, we'll start with you against your – or
2: because, I guess I should say, of your collegiate coach. There we go. A little stutter stick there for you. <laughs> Um, well, uh, let's say final thoughts, coach. I just want to thank you for coming on here. It's been an absolute pleasure talking with you again. Um, miss just having conversations with you. That was one of my favorite parts every day. Um, Same. I will say, I will say I, I do appreciate you answering the, uh, the coaching question kind of helped me out a little bit, been kind of, uh, it's been nerve wracking trying to learn how to be a head coach in under like three months, it was kind of brought upon me. So, you know, I'm kind of learning as I'm going at this point. But uh, I believe your Giants are the real deal. I legitimately think they uh, they they have a shot. If they keep this up and, you know, may the Lord keep every one of them safe <laughs> from injury, honestly. Nice. They might win the Super Bowl. I'm not going to wow. lie. Let's go, baby. Wow. Let's, Let's go. go. No, All right, I, Coach, love, I, I love the culture there right Coach, now. Coach, what, what do we got for your final
0: thoughts? Jilly gave us a high take there as well.
1: Uh I appreciate coming on. Uh, you know, I, I've been following, listening. I kind comment on Twitter a little bit every once in a while, and you guys know how much I enjoy y'all and enjoy what you're doing. But, uh, Brett, I gotta ask you, man. How could you have picked the Bears against my Giant? The Bears can't complete a forward pass, man. That was uh, that was what
0: two or three weeks ago. So yes, and it, I gave you I, a lot I didn't, time then too. Yeah, I didn't think the Giants were the real deal. Then I really didn't. Um, I thought Justin Fields was gonna learn to turn it around, but. He and the Bears have so much discourse right now. I, I think he's going to be out of Chicago um, at the end of the season. So
2: they need a new, they need a new front office in, in Chicago. New front office, new coaches, staff. They have the players, but they need new people.
1: They do. I really, uh, I, guys, I really appreciate coming on. I've been uh, following you each time and loving the clips and stuff, and just love talking sports. Love talking about Piedmont baseball and. Um, you know, and obviously the Yankees and the Giants and, and the teams that I root forward to. But uh, you know, really appreciate it. Really uh, happy for you guys that you're you're having success and what y'all are doing and uh pull for you guys to keep doing great things.
0: Well, we appreciate it, coach. Thank you for coming on. Um obviously, like I said at the start of the podcast, you know, you've played an intricate part in Connor and I's collegiate career, mine as a broadcaster, obviously a direct impact on Connor as a baseball player. So you were one of, definitely one of the first people that we, we wanted to have come on the podcast and, and start to have some guests come on. Connor and I will not have a guest tomorrow night, but we will be having a guest Thursday night. It'll be a Division One baseball player from the ranks of Wichita State university he played with the wisconsin rapids rafters this summer and he's going to come on and talk a little baseball with us and kind of talk about what it's like to be a division one pitcher again from wichita state university his name is caden favors so caden's going to join us thursday night it'll be for the friday podcast so really excited and and looking forward to that but coach if you don't have anything else your yankees are tied up right now so maybe no bader hit homer
1: uh you know pick the click bottom nine hit a dinger so Long way to go. Gotta win the last five, right? Let's win the fifth. Jelly got gotta win the fifth. Right. We'll gotta win the fifth. Gotta win the next Hey, you you
2: win every inning. How do you lose? You're probably gonna beat. win the game.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, coach, we really we really thank you for coming on. And Jill and I have to get a trip back down to the milk jug. Um uh, once, once baseball season starts up, so
1: once a lion, always a lion, boys. That they is go. true. Come I'm trying to come. <laughs> day. I'm trying to come down for the first home series. That's my goal. April 29th will be Alumni Day. We had a huge crowd last year. We'll try to double it this year. So let's go. The food trucks, yeah, all that stuff. Let's go.
0: Canapolis isn't that far for me, so I if might you're not You're not there,
1: Brett. I'm going to be very disappointed.
0: <laughs> you know, I don't know where I'll be at, Coach. I, I, I know. I, I know. You know, I'm still at home in South Carolina right now. Um, there's some stuff in the works. I don't know if it'll materialize out, but, you know, minor league baseball season will be started by then. So hopefully if what I got going on right now doesn't materialize, hopefully I'll be working for minor league baseball team. But there you go, man. If it doesn't, you know, we'll be in Demarest on April twenty third. Yes, sir. I, I hope for so. Sure. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening to episode 15 of where else You would rather be podcast. As
2: always, jail man, hit them with it. Take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Peace and love,
1: everybody. And Coach Scali, where else would you rather be? The milk jug. Let's go.